So our topic this week, the text this week, from Genesis 26, the Lord blessed Isaac. Six times in this chapter, the Bible uses this word, the Lord blessed Isaac. Maybe not those exact words, but that Isaac was blessed. That word blessed is there six times in relation to Isaac. Starting in verse 11, going back to Genesis 25, verse 11. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt at Beer Lahaim Roi, well of the one who sees. Does anyone remember where in the Bible we read this before about this well? No? Hagar, that's right. This is the place where Hagar, when she was fleeing Sarah, um, God provided a well of water for her where she was, and her son were dying. And God provided that well, and so, and then she obviously moved on. Well, she came back, and then obviously later on moved on. And so Isaac goes to that spot and dwells there for a season. Now into chapter 26, verse 1. There was a famine in the land beside the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king, or Avimelech, king of the Philistines in Geir. Now we've seen this guy before, back with Abraham. And it's interesting here, this text links him together with Abraham, mentioning that there was a famine in the time of Abraham, and now there's a famine in the time of Isaac. We're going to see some similarities between the time with Abraham and the time here with Isaac. Uh, both had famines, both went to Avimelech, as it's pronounced in Hebrew. And we saw when we looked at the chapter with Abraham and Avimelech that while Avimelech was no doubt a real person, um, he foreshadowed in a lot of ways Yeshua as the Messiah. His name itself, Avimelech, right? Avi means my father is king, right? My father is king, right? And so whose father is king? Yeshua's father is king, right? And so, uh, again, he was a real person. I have no doubt about that. But, uh, but just like Abraham's life foreshadowed and Jacob's and Moses' life foreshadowed various aspects of the Messiah, uh, this person's life foreshadowed uh, Yeshua and his dealings with Abraham. And we're going to see that in his dealings here with Isaac as well. And so just like in that famine, Abraham went down to Geir, so the Philistines, king, and Isaac goes there as well. Verse 2, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Now when Abraham had in the famine, went down this way, he went down to Egypt. And a whole big problem happened there, and that's very possibly where they ended up getting Hagar, which caused more problems and still problems today as a result of that. And so the Lord tells him, do not go down to Egypt. And Isaac doesn't. Stay in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. Again, God promising to bless him, to be with him, and that he'll give him and his descendants all these lands 
confirming what he swore to Abraham. I promised to Abraham all the land of Canaan, and now he's promising that to Isaac as well. Interestingly enough, when Isaac is dwelling in Geir, where the Philistines are, thus the Gaza area as well, he's promising all of these lands, I give it to you and to your descendants, stay here in this land. I mentioned uh, Avimelech being with Abraham, so that was a number of years before, before this. So Avimelech, if it's the same guy, and I think it is, uh, we'll see another reason why next week, as we look some more at him. Um, but uh, how long did Abraham live? We looked at that last week. Anyone remember? Going once, going twice. You got 170, goes to the winner. <laughs> 175, that's right, highest bidder, 175. So this guy could have easily also been 150, 175, right? No reason why not. Um, and so, okay. Verse four, and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commandments, my decrees, and my instructions. So a very similar promise as he gave to Abraham. He's promising now to Isaac. He's passing it down, the, the anointing to Isaac. God is coming and he's given him the same promise that he gave to Abraham. He's going to give it to his offspring and that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. How are all the nations of the earth blessed through Isaac and through his offspring? Through computer chips, through, uh, through drip irrigation, through medical equipment. How is all the earth? Those are definitely blessings that God used, inspired uh, Jewish people to invent and other things. We can go on and on and on with the list uh, forever and ever. But uh, is that how all the nations of the earth are blessed? Is that the fulfillment of the promise? Oh, is it because we have bagels now? Is that why? Because we have uh, uh, Kashavanis? Is that why all the nations of the earth uh, are blessed? Because Yeshua comes through that line. And through Yeshua, all the nations of the earth are blessed. And Yeshua comes through the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the offspring. And then it mentions here also God reminding Isaac that this promise, many of the stars of the sky, all these lands, because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So God's blessings, but also conditional upon a response from the one being blessed, a response by Abraham, who then obeyed. Now, did Abraham have the power to obey? Did Abraham obey? Yes. Did he have the power in of himself to obey? No. Did he have the power given to him by God to obey? Yes. Did he receive the power of God to obey? Yes. That's what it says. And that's what he did. And so God is reminding Isaac of that. Isaac lived through it. God is reminding him of that here in this passage, verse 5. In verse 6, Isaac stayed in Geir, and when the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister, because he was afraid to say she is my wife. 
He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is beautiful. So now here's another parallel with Abraham. Abraham also went here and Abraham also was afraid. And Abraham also said, she is my sister. He also lied and was also for the same reason for fear that they would kill him and take uh, his wife. So Sarah was beautiful and Rebecca was beautiful. The diff one difference is, and there's a few, one difference is, is that Isaac, uh, Abraham's lie was a half lie. Because Abraham was his half, Sarah was Abraham's half sister. But Rebecca, she's a cousin. <laughs> He'd say, She's my cousin, then she's my sister. No one would have if he was my cousin, it was half right. Um, and, uh, and so he lies about that because he is afraid. And this is right after, at least as far as the verse, we don't know how much time period took place. But the verse right after God comes to him and speaks to him and says, I will be with you, I will bless you. Your father Abraham obeyed everything and all my commandments. And then here, this verse in direct contrast to that. And so we have direct disobedience on uh, Isaac's part, and not only disobedience in lying, but a lack of faith, a lack of trust by being afraid. Verse 8, when Isaac had been there a long time, Avimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from, his, from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. I didn't put a picture in there for that one. Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. And that's very similar to the response that Abraham gave when he was called out. Now, one, another difference here is that Abimelech took Sarah as his wife, and God kept him from having relations with her. Here, Abimelech, I guess maybe because he's so old, <laughs> didn't take Rebecca, his wife, and uh, just uh, sees this outside his window and remembers, he said to the other guys, He's his sister, and he calls, and calls him out on that. And here again, we have kind of overshadowing with Yeshua, calling him out, rebuking him for his sin, not just ignoring it. Oh, the guy's just a sinner, whatever. He just lied, well, whatever. So we know he's a liar. Uh, goes and takes the time to go and rebuke him. And the Bible says, those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. Right? And so God, in love here, using Avimelech, foreshadowing Yeshua to bring conviction to Isaac. And instead of Isaac repenting, he just said, well, I thought you were going to kill me. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to kill me. Your men were going to kill me. And so uh, I was justified in doing it. Gives a reason, gives an excuse instead of an apology. And then the next verse, 10, Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. Here again, like Yeshua, rebuking and calling it sin. And so here this, this uh, not necessarily a believer in, in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, realizes this would be sin, this would be guilt that would be brought upon his nation 
if one of his men would have slept with some other man's wife. So he has the concept of adultery and rebukes Isaac for causing them to possibly stumble and stumble into sin. Abimelech or Abimelech gave orders that all the people, to all the people, anyone who harms this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And here again we have uh, overshadowing with Yeshua, who uh, has a protection over his people and who will hold accountable anyone who harms the apple of his eye, who harms his people. Uh, God uh, hates sin, hates murder, hates injustice. And so here he makes this decree in protection of Isaac. Did Isaac deserve it? No. No. But here in mercy, Abimelech pronounces a protection over Isaac and calls forth for his people to leave it alone. Makes a decree in a sense and a pronouncement so that all know to leave Isaac alone and his wife alone. And then verse 12, Isaac planted crops in the land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. And this is where I struggled. <laughs> How could this be? Where does this come from? Here in verse 12, God blessed him after he just lied, after he just made an excuse, after he didn't blame it on them. Oh, you're a murderous people. I think one of you were going to kill me and I didn't feel safe. And here they were more righteous than he was. And then God blesses him. God pours out his spirit and, and blesses him, makes him rich, reaps a hundredfold from his crops. Where is that, right? Don't we read stories each week where a person is faithful in obedience to the Lord and the Lord blesses their faithfulness? Didn't it just say that Abraham, uh, his offspring, would be blessed all the world, the earth, and, and um, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my commandments? And here Isaac doesn't even repent. And here God blesses him. What's up with that? That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem just. Right? Is that uh, the gospel that God calls us to preach? Oh, go and just, you know, lie and be worse than the world and God will bless you. Right? Is, is that the, is the message that uh, is, uh, God calls us to send forth? But that's what happened. That's what God did. Didn't say it was just luck. It says that because the Lord blessed him. He reaped a hundredfold because of the Lord. Not just because of the weather, not just because of the chance, not because he was a great farmer, but because the Lord blessed him. How dare the Lord do that? Verse 14, he had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. And so all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. And then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. I don't know if he's foreshadowing the Messiah there or not, uh, or just doing what he was doing. 
just giving us a historical account. He says, move away. You're too powerful for us. This is not good. The men are envying you. And we're going to have quarrels here. We're going to have dispute here. Move away. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the Valley of Geir, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. I thought that was interesting. I didn't catch it several times reading through. And Abraham named his wells. <laughs> Do you name every hole you dig in the ground? <laughs> What's up with that? I mean, it takes a lot of work back then, especially. There's a lot of rocks. It's very hard digging in Israel. I can't imagine what it'd be like to dig a well in Israel. I mean, here in Florida, we got sand. It's pretty easy. Uh, you know, some water and a pipe, and you can dig a hole. But uh, in Israel, rocks and hard, and not much water, and you've got a big, a big enough hole, and not have it collapse in on you. It's got to be tremendously hard. A lot of work. And to dig down deep enough to hit water. So he named them. I became attached to them after all this work. They named them of some type of significance to him. And then Isaac gives him them the same name. So he's deciding to follow in his father's footsteps. He could have just ignored it. He could have just built another, other wells. But he chose to clean out the wells that others had clogged. And sometimes in our lives, we have to clean out what other people have thrown into us. Right? We can't accept every garbage word and message that people tell us and, 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 and call us and say to us. And throughout our lives, people dump a lot of junk on us. Right? And that usually has nothing to do with us. In this case, it was them again. It had nothing really much to do with Isaac. Isaac doesn't say other than his lie to them. He didn't really do anything negative to them. Sure, his richness blessed their economy as well. I'm sure he was trading and interacting with them and, and the wealth was being passed around in that way. Now he's sent off. He's trading with someone else and buying from someone else. And they're envious and they go and they fill the well. And sometimes just as we live our lives and God blesses us, people get jealous, people get envious, and then people don't like that and they want to dump on us. They see us happy and they don't want us to be happy. Right? Misery loves company, right? Or something else is going on in their lives. Again, often it doesn't have anything to do with you or me. And they just mean, they were mean before you were born. They were mean before you met them, right? And then they just dump their garbage on us. Say these things and they're rude and people hang up the phone. We get calls all the time, right? You probably get these calls, these telemarketers, right? And uh, my name is Sammy, you know, whatever. And I'm with... You know, and so we ask them, have you read your Bible today? <laughs> and they're, very often their first answer is, what? <laughs> and so we say, have you read your Bible today? Uh, and if they say yes, we go, oh, great. Let me pray for you. And then we pray for them. Or it helps them find a real job. You know, whatever. We, we say a blessing upon them and, uh, and pray a blessing on them. If they say no, then we start preaching the gospel, right? Until we hear the click, right? <laughs> well, yeah, people call us and they click you, they hang up on you, they do all kinds of things to us. People are just rude and horrible, right? They interrupted you, you were eating, whatever, and then you go and get the phone. So then now, uh, 
offer you something you didn't want to begin with and then hang up on you. You know, people are just rude. People live in our lives, come into our lives, say horrible things, say nasty things, and blame us for all kinds of stuff. We don't have to accept it. Right? We can undig the dirt, throw out the dirt that they have filled your well with. Right? Don't live in that oppression. Don't live with their garbage. Don't live with their dirt and dust thrown into you. Kick it out. Throw it out. Rebuild the well. Redig the well. Empty the well so God can fill it with the everlasting water. The spring of life coming forth. And let God's spirit fill you and move you and be a blessing to others. And they named them. They named them whatever names. Again, Abraham was a spiritual man. Probably gave him spiritual names. And so Isaac is having this Spiritual experience wanting to follow in Abraham's footsteps. Verse 19, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gear quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water is ours. So he named the well because they disputed with him. They dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitnah, opposition. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it, and he named it Rehoboth Room, saying, the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. And so even while we're being blessed of the Lord, there's problems in this world. There's troubles in this world. You may see someone's life, and they may look like they're prospering. They may look like they're rich. They may look like they're happy. They maybe look like uh, they're being blessed of the Lord, and maybe they are. But it doesn't mean they don't have problems. It doesn't mean they don't have problems like you have problems. It doesn't mean they don't have troubles in this world. It doesn't mean like the devil doesn't harass them. It doesn't mean that people aren't mean to them. Sometimes the devil makes us feel that way, like we're the only ones. No one likes me. No one loves me. Oh, if I was more like them, if I was more like that, how come they don't have it? How come only me? Happens to all of us. There's no temptation as common to men that hasn't affected us. We're all under the devil's eye and arrows shot at us. That's okay. God's blessing. And we're not in heaven yet. So in this earth, people will dump, fill our wells, quarrel with us, fight over stuff that we have done, take the credit, take away our stuff. But it doesn't matter. Trust in the Lord and move on. And Isaac chose not to fight. And he had so many servants that they were afraid of him. Told him to move away. He could have started a war with them. They really started it. He could have continued it. Tit for tat, instead, he just moved on. And there's a time to fight, and there's a time to know. Time to move on, the time to just overlook it, forget it, leave it behind, count it as lost, and there's time to deal with it. We need that wisdom of God, that discernment of God to know when. And here, this case, Isaac chose just to go dig another well. And sometimes that's the best thing to do, is dig another well. Now, they did quarrel initially, right? Wasn't the well they first said, oh, that's our well. Oh, okay, no problem. Right? There was a quarrel that took place. There was a debate that went. He fought for it a little bit. And when he decided it's getting too intense and too much, and this is now going to go to fisticuffs, he decided to back off and go dig another well. 
So again, we need that discernment of how far to push it and to stand for our rights. And sometimes it's enough to stand to our rights to the death. We need that discernment to know what and when. From there, he went up to Beersheba, and that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. And this is where it gets real interesting. This is where I think it pulls it all together. He comes and says, I am the God of your father Abraham. Why doesn't he say, I am your God? But I am the God of your father Abraham. Because at this point, Isaac's not fully living for God. So he saw he lied, he's afraid, he doesn't repent, doesn't mention him having worship in any way, shape, or form. God's blessing him, but we don't see him blessing God back or any indication of that, giving thanks or any indication of that. And so he says, I am the God of your father, Abraham. And he brings Abraham up to re-remind him of Abraham and says, do not be afraid. Why does God say to him, do not be afraid? What did he say his reason for lying was? I was afraid. (laughs) God says, you don't have to be afraid. I told you beforehand, even before you went and lied, I will be with you. So don't be afraid. So here now God rebuked him through Abimelech. And now God is speaking through the Holy Spirit directly to him and convicting him on the very area, soft conviction on the very area where he fell, in fear. So he was fearful then, and he might be fearful now, dealing with these wells and quarreling with these wells and and not wanting to fight with them because he's afraid of them. He says, do not be afraid. I am with you. And I will bless you. So again, that word bless, is going to, he promises to bless him. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants because I love you, because you're so wonderful, because you're so obedient. No, because of my servant Abraham. <laughs> it's another kind of subtle rebuke there to Isaac. What did God tell him about Abraham. I blessed him, and I promised to bless him, and I promised to bless all his offspring, and I promised to bless all the earth through his offspring, because he obeyed my voice and kept my covenant and my commandments. And so I'm going to bless you, not because of you, Isaac. Not because you're serving me, not because you surrendered to me. I'm going to bless you in spite of yourself, in spite of your fears, in spite of your lying. I'm going to bless you because of your father, Abraham. And we are blessed in our lives, not because of any good we have done. God blesses us, and God has blessed us all. The fact that we have life, and life is not always so great. And for some, it's horrible from birth or even conception on. But not just so much life here. God has blessed us all with a gift of eternal life. He's given that to all. He's given that to the entire world, to everyone who's ever been born, everyone who's any been conceived. 
He's made it available to all. He's given it to all. Without us first having to do anything, without us first having, while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. He first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. From the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. He has blessed us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His salvation is given to all. Before we were born, without our permission, he has freely given it. Now we don't receive it and benefit from it until we receive it and accept it by faith and allow it to change and transform our lives. But it's given to all. And so God has blessed Abraham. God has blessed Isaac. And God has blessed us with abundant blessing. Not because we deserve it, but because of his great mercy. Because of Abraham's obedience? No. Because of Yeshua's obedience. Because of the seed of Abraham who came to this world and defeated Satan and overcame temptation just as you and I face, overcame them one by one by one, all, he overcame all temptation and did not sin. Tempted in all ways, like as we are. Left heaven, fought the devil on the devil's turf and beat him and won for us. And because of his obedience, we are blessed. And so God comes to him and promises him that God gives him a well without quarreling. And then God comes to him and reminds him of Abraham. He says, you don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that promise is for us as well. Be not afraid. What fears are in your mind? What fears are in your heart? What anxious thoughts do you have? What worries and temptations as the devil planted in your mind, what cares are you carrying? Be not afraid. God is with you. He's with you in the abundance of blessings. He's with us even in the troubles. And I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants. And then the next verse. Verse 25, Isaac built an altar in Beersheba and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. And so God blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. And then, finally, as a result of the goodness of the Lord, it led him to repentance. And he built an altar. First mention of Isaac building his own altar. He built an altar. And the purpose of an altar is to give a sacrifice, a burnt offering, a sin offering. Here we have Isaac repenting. It wasn't the rebuke. It wasn't the rebuke from Ivy Malik. It wasn't the rebuke from the Lord. The soft rebukes from the Lord. It was the goodness of the Lord that led him to repentance. And so sometimes God blesses us in order to bring us to repentance, in order for us to be thankful, in order for us to see that we didn't deserve this and God blessed us anyway. And out of 
thankfulness and appreciation, we surrender our lives to him. It's so much better to do it that way. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, God has other means to get our attention. The choice is ours. Do we want to accept him and walk in his love because of his blessings, in spite of the troubles we experience here on this earth? Or do we wait, want to wait until like Joseph thrown into a dungeon or other problems or into a pit or a lion's den for us to then turn our eyes to the Lord? Better to turn our eyes to the Lord now, in the good times, in the peaceful times, in whatever we're going through, troubles and blessings. Thank him and thank the mercy of the Lord and accept his goodness given to us. When we don't deserve it, he first loved us. He first sought us out. He first found us. We don't find the Lord. The Lord finds us. And he tries to draw everyone. And so sometimes we wonder, why are they getting blessed? Why are the wicked getting blessed? Why is that horrible boss getting blessed? Why is that person on the job who's lying and stealing and, and manipulating and taking customers away from me and stealing my commission and doing this and doing that? And they're being blessed. How come they got the promotion? How come they got the raise? How come that neighbor of mine, he just got this you know, new thing or whatever. How come? How come my relative, I know him so well, he's nothing but a dirt bag, but he, he gets blessed all the time. Why is that? Why is that? Why has God blessed the wicked? Because he loves them, that's it. Because he loves them. That's right. He loves even the wicked, right? He loves you and me. And out of that, God's trying to draw them. And the goodness of the Lord, trying to draw them. And again, if that doesn't work, he has his ways of bringing troubles to them that we don't always see. Wells getting filled up, quarrels with others. So we can thank the Lord for his goodness and allow the goodness of the Lord to lead us to repentance. And then it, when Abraham and when Isaac then repents, builds the altar, then they build another well and they have water again. And this well here is in Bethlehem, is, rather, is in Beersheba. It's a real well, dug deep and tested and dates back to that far back. Could have been the very well that Isaac dug. And the entrance there on the right, that is the entrance into ancient Beersheba. That wall there, that is the wall, uh, one of the walls of the city of ancient Beersheba. Will is still there. Pretty amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so God's blessing, living testimony, stays with us today. And so as we pray tonight, You've been blessed by the Lord, and you have been blessed by the Lord. You want to choose to thank him for that. And you want to choose to repent out of thankfulness that he has blessed us in spite of us. And we don't deserve anything. No good thing do we deserve. But he's given to us anyway out of love for us. And so in a moment we pray, you can thank God for his blessings upon you and repent 
of our sinfulness and our unworthiness to receive his blessings. Two, if in the blessings that you're receiving from the Lord, there's also trouble with it, someone's quarreling with you, someone's filling up your cup with garbage, someone's dumping on you, someone's taken away from you, surrender it to the Lord. Don't accept their garbage. Accept the words of the Lord. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. I will bless you. Accept his messages of love for you, not the enemy's lies. And if you're in a quarrel with someone, ask the Lord to bring peace. Ask him to give you wisdom to know how far to push it, how far to debate it, how far to fight for your right, and when it's time to just move on and go dig another well. Maybe God's trying to get your attention through conviction. Maybe he's using someone else, like Avi Melech here. Maybe rebuke is coming upon you. Ask God to give you humility to receive the rebuke to receive the correction and to repent, to apologize, to make things right as much as possible within you. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you with a soft conviction, then a moment we pray, repent of it, turn it over to the Lord, accept his mercy and his forgiveness, Accept the Messiah's death in place of it. Build an altar right where you're sitting. Build an altar to the Lord and accept the Messiah's death as the Lamb of God shed for you, the blood shed for you. If any of those areas apply to you, let's pray. Let God do his work. May our light shine. May we be witnesses to those around us. Even to those who are quarreling with us, even those that are fighting with us. May they see the Lord blessing in our lives. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we're thankful, Lord, that you've sustained this planet. You could have destroyed it as soon as Adam and Eve sinned. You could have destroyed humanity. You can destroy any one of us at our first sin. Wages of sin is death. But in your mercy, You've given us opportunity to hear your word. In your mercy, you've given us your word. In your mercy, you've given us your promises. In your mercy and your love for us, you've given us your grace. In your mercy and your love for us, you've given us your only begotten Son. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the mansions you're preparing for us. Thank you for the promise of everlasting life. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for removing all fear. We surrender all to you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We surrender fear and worry and anxiety. We confess our lies and our excuses. 
we confess before you our lack of faith and our lack of trust. Remove from us, forgive us for quarreling, forgive us for fighting. Remove from us everything that's not of heaven. Forgive us for dumping in other people's wells. Forgive us for taking what is not ours. Thank you, Yeshua, for cleansing us. Thank you for accepting our confession. Thank you for taking our sins into yourself. Thank you for killing them and crucifying them. Thank you for sending forth your spirit to bring conviction. Thank you for sending forth your spirit. Give us understanding. Now live in us. Give us repentance. Give us your spirit. Give us your power. So we, like Abraham, can obey your words, obey your commands, obey your precepts and your statutes by your grace. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.